0: Hello, welcome to the podcast Sport & Life. How are you? It is Monday the 26th of April, my mum's birthday. I've got some presents and she's coming uh, for an outside cup of tea later and a celebratory piece of cake. So that's good. (laughs) I'm on point. Hope you are too. Hope you had a good weekend. I worked yesterday at Sky Sports News, the day job and pretty intense actually covering football all around Europe. Inter Milan closing on the Serie A title, Ajax closing in on the Dutch title, Bayern Munich a little bit away to go in Germany and Manchester City closing in on the English title whilst not even playing because Manchester United, my team, dropped points at Ellen Road against Leeds United and City won the League Cup. So an interesting day, Um, another sunny day today, this Monday, a bit chilly here in Cheltenham in the west of England, but nonetheless, uh, it is a beautiful scene and a man who's uh, been enjoying a beautiful scene speaking to the podcast, John Palmer. Local journalist covering Cheltenham Town. We'll hear from him in just a second. He's been uh, out in Park Campus speaking to me on his phone. So it's been fantastic to get his insight with Cheltenham Town on the cusp of the first ever automatic promotion to League One, the third tier of English football. We'll get to that in a second. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Nollison of Cheltenham and Serene AV. I know they've been busy throughout the pandemic. I think people uh, wanting that equipment while they're housed at home. And maybe now as the celebrations continue, get some good audio speakers, it'll be fantastic as the world opens up. About Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, they are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Remain hugely appreciative of the support of Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and the lead proprietor, the owner of the franchise, Jason Briggs. Good man, a Manchester United fan. Don't hold that against him. Um, 1980s Manchester United fan as well. So he's been through some tough times before this Uh a Somewhat challenging era since Alex Ferguson retired. But Jason and his team have got Banglos and equipment, all the finest, latest equipment. But also through Serene AV, can source you home entertainment systems, anything bespoke that you want for your home will come out. Counsel you, not counsel you per se, but on the uh, give you a a quote, talk you through the options, and uh, yeah, very good people. As are the people at Cytoplan. C Y T O P L A N. Cytoplan is a food based supplement company. My father, Dr. Mark Draper who is a GP, general practitioner, doctor, formerly anaesthetist, but for a long part of his career worked as a nutritionist and a lecturer. And specifically his area of deep interest is deep nutrition, micronutrition around trace elements, things like that, selenium and zinc, and their prevalence or not, as the case may be in the UK, in the soil, which then filters into our food that we eat, the water we drink. So he's a big advocate of Cytoplan supplements, particularly at the moment, the immune complete range as an holistic, I suppose, multi-vitamin or vitamin, you would call it. But anyway, if you would like a discount, a family discount from Cytoplan, it is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one, zero, and the capital letter R. You can get that at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N. .co.uk, the code DRAPER10R. Right, let's get to John Palmer, Cheltenham Town, winning 1-0 at the weekend. They are clear of the chasing pack. Mathematically, though, can be caught with a big goal swing, but it seems like for the first time in the club's history, which was largely a non-league history up until the 1990s, well, was a, a non-league history up until the 1990s, at uh, the end of the 1990s, uh, they got the goal through Michael Duff to get into the Football League and now under the management of of Michael Duff, on the cusp of the first ever automatic promotion to League One. So good to, to speak to a man in good spirits today. John Palmer had a Tuesday night's game against Carlisle, which surely Cheltenham will seal this promotion. Here he is, John Palmer. John Palmer. Welcome to the podcast. From a picturesque bench by the lake, I understand. <laughs> Not that we've got video. Yeah, I'm just taking in a bit of sun, <laughs>
1: taking in yeah. a bit of sun, and uh,
0: yeah, enjoying uh, some fresh air before I go into uh, into the classroom. <laughs> Brilliant. And you and you're you've passed the COVID test this morning as well. you COVID negative, which is always a nice boost on a Monday.
1: Yeah, everything's everything's really well organised. Twice a week uh, testing, and yeah, nice to give you that peace of mind that all the students and staff at the UOG are being tested regularly. So yeah. It's, uh, it's been good to be back on campus the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, so I just mentioned to you before we started recording. I wonder if the evolution of that is key for hospitality and everything, and football included, is that people talk about the passports and apps and stuff. But actually, if you have the if testing improves and the results are immediate, that's a way of getting people in, isn't it? If you, if you rock up to a ground half an hour early or whatever it might be, and then that's a kind of, I guess, a, a maybe another way forward to, to opening up. Yeah, it felt, it felt like a big step forward on Sunday, didn't it,
1: for the League Cup final. I felt that mm. was a big stride with actually having a decent amount of fans there and people, you know, uh, key workers and people from the local area all in there making a bit of noise. Just felt like a big stride towards it. And I think th- things can be so well organised now and it's so easy. You just do it on your phone, register on your phone, go in, it's all done within a few, you know, within 30 seconds really. And then you get your result back very swiftly by a text message. and you, you know, you know that you're ready to go. So yeah, I think it could play a huge part in this speeding up the return to
0: normality. Yeah. We've been fortunate enough to have tests at Sky Sports pretty much for, I think four or five months, actually it's been, it's been really handy to have that knowledge just as my daughter's been at school and everything else with, with grandparents potentially seeing her and stuff. So that kind of makes it a lot easier, but actually it's, um, it, they've got a lot better at it as well because at the start they're a bit rough with sticking up your nostril, but they've got a lot more se- sensitive now, which is uh, which is good as the as the whole thing's evolved. Um, but yeah, onwards and upwards. And what about Cheltenham Town staring at the, the league table, John, this morning, and just thinking they're pretty much up, aren't they? Yeah, I think even though you know
1: mathematically it might not happen, it is, it is going to happen. You know they're as good as up. They just they've not lost two in a. They've only lost two in a row once under Michael Duff in the league so they'd they'd have to not take any points from their last three games and then there would still need to be a huge swing 13 goal swinging goal difference for for them to be caught so even though they're they want to win the league and they need to point on Tuesday night against Carlisle to make absolutely sure I I feel like over the weekend it was that was the result that sort of got them got them over the line really yeah
0: big win wasn't it um were you at the match Obviously you probably were.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was there. Yeah, it was it was it was a bit nervy, even though there were you know there were no fans there, obviously, which is a real shame, but it, it was still a little bit edgy. And Harry Pell was um, sort of making his presence felt in the first half. And I thought Colchester did quite well in the first half. There was one terrible challenge from Pell that should have been a red, he got away with a yellow. Apart from that, I thought he played quite well. Yeah. And then in the in, in the second half, Cheltenham improved and they were just pushing and pushing and pushing and the goal came 82nd minute so it was it was a big relief to see the goal go and they just like they did at Stevenage really on Tuesday they just they just ground it out it wasn't particularly great in terms of flowing football but they just had that ability this season last season they played some unbelievable football and lost games whereas mm. this season they've either they've either ground it out with the 1-0 or when they have played some good football they've blown a few teams away like they did with Tranmere on good friday and they've they've not drawn many either and i think that's mm. been another key
0: this season. They've they've lost more than they did last season, but they've not drawn many. That's interesting. You mentioned that Michael Duff's only lost back-to-back league games twice in his, or once, sorry, in his tenure. That's, that's the key, is it? The way that he can somehow, I guess, keep the mood and the momentum around the club despite defeat. Yeah, you see some teams that go on winning runs of six or seven, then lose
1: one, and then they seem to go on a losing run of five or six before they turn it around, whereas he, I think it's a massive part of his qualities really, a massive part of his many qualities as manager is is not getting too high or low. Mm. If you speak to him after a game, most games really, you can't tell whether <laughs> they've won or lost with his you know his demeanor doesn't change a huge amount. Obviously it means a lot to him what happened on Saturday, but he's still very grounded. And I think after the after a, a narrow defeat, he doesn't go in and tell all the players they're useless and they need to rip it up and start again. They've mm. they've got an unbelievable record um since they went to three five two. They've won you know, fifty-three games and drawn thirty, I think, out of one hundred and ten since they went to three-five-two. So that's been the big turning point. But his his man management and picking players up when they do have a disappointment. It's only the yeah, it's only two games. Um Bolton at home and Barrow away. That's the only time Charlton have lost back to back games under Duff. In you know, coming up to what would be not
0: far off three years now. So it's it's quite a remarkable record, really. Yeah, it's great. It's interesting that, isn't it? You say that because people always talk about. You know, focus on it and, and feel the pain after a defeat, and and focus on a big match coming up. But it, it often, it's the level headedness, isn't it, in these situations? Not getting too up, not getting too down, which is the the key to success. I don't know if you found that covering sport for a, a time now.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's the temperament. He's got he's got the right temperament to be to be a manager at a high level. I think he needs a bit of luck, and he's the way he started his managerial career. I think he's going the right way about managing yeah. at a higher level. But he's definitely got the right temperament. He doesn't. He he doesn't he hasn't got a short fuse. You know some managers are great at motivating people, firing people up, but then they they can also snap and you know destroy players when things mm-hmm. aren't going well. But I think he's he's very. I think he just understands what players respond to. Consistent, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is he is very consistent, very consistent with his approach. He doesn't punish players when they make honest mistakes, and he doesn't go over the top with his praise when they put in a good performance. He they they sort of drive themselves on as well. But I think he set the tone for it, and he, yeah, he's. he's Right from day one, really, when he didn't he didn't win for his first eight league games, his first ten games in all competitions, he still <clears throat> didn't get too panicky. Still very very level headed. It's it's that temperament
0: that makes me think he can really go a long way in the game. Yeah, it was interesting So he had to adapt some of his uh, philosophies at the start as well about the passing play and stuff. And he got reaccustomed to to League Two freneticism. But what about um the the history of this? Because this is unprecedented, as it to go up automatically to League One, John?
1: Yeah, Cheltenham have gone up twice to League One in the past. So 2002 under Steve Costrell. It's quite an interesting one. They they went to Carlisle in their penultimate game uh-huh. um, away from home. Carlisle midweek needing a win to secure automatic promotion. They drew nil-nil. Um, mm-hmm. Then they had Plymouth away who were the champions on the last day of the season and lost. So they, they had to do it through the playoffs. So that's the closest Cheltenham have come so far to going up automatically and ended up doing it through the playoffs. And Under John Ward in 2006, they secured their playoff place with two with one game uh, to spare. I wish they won 5-0, went into the playoffs in really good form um, and beat uh, Wickham in the semis and then Grimsby in the final. So they they've never gone up automatically as a football league club before. Uh, another little landmark was they reached 78 points on Saturday which equals that points tally from the Steve Costrell 02 season. So it looks like they're going to beat that, which should be. So even though it's there's been a lot of um, points dropped um, and a lot of teams have been taking points off each other it's probably been the hardest season ever to be consistent. Cheltenham have actually had their most consistent season as a football league club since first getting in in 99, which obviously Duff scored the winner, which is a nice little story behind it as well.
0: Yes, yeah, of course. He's got this, this romantic thread <laughs> through the through the club with Michael Duff spanning more than two decades now. It's... um. But that that's an interesting statistic there that about this consistency because it's in the context of the pandemic, isn't it? And, and there'll be a lot of financial stress on the club on and all clubs as well. That's It's incredibly commendable that they've been able to achieve that this year. Yeah, a lot of other clubs have you know have struggled
1: um, both on and off the pitch. Uh, we look at some of the teams that have been getting to the first recently and they've fallen away badly, but Cheltenham have, have done it two years in a row and we, we've had chats before about the finances and I think they've been partly... Fortunate, partly they've earned it because they had the FA Cup run, which mm. obviously Man City game made them a huge amount of money. But also they don't they don't spend beyond their means anyway. So I think if if they'd have not had the cup run, um, they would have found it difficult. But I think they're they're in a much better position than most clubs at a level because they are so well run. They don't spend beyond their means. Uh, it's come out recently that Cheltenham is 17th in the table in terms of size of playing budget, wow. which is you know just puts it into context what Michael Duff is on the cusp of achieving. Really, that then they're not a heavyweight in League two. Uh, yeah. League one is going to be, you know, league one, they're going to be even smaller. They're going to be right down there in the bottom, probably one or two budgets, depending on who else goes up. I mean, if more can go up, that would be also incredible because they've got the smallest budget in the football league. But I think it's, yes, yeah, it's, it just puts it into context. They're not able to, to have their pick of the players, but what they do get, they get
0: great value for money and good characters. I think that takes you a long way. Enjoying that bird just tweeting behind you. It's beautiful. I can just picture it now, John, <laughs> Idyllic scene on the uh, the park campus there at the University of Gloucestershire. Beautiful. But it's yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned that, but that not frugality, but but sort of practicality and uh, prudence is, is kind of, is is a important message, isn't it, around football? Because the European Super League's been been shot down in flames. But at the heart of that is a fundamental issue that people keep saying the Premier League clubs have a lot of money. They've got a lot of money going into them. But they've got a lot of money going out in players' wages, disproportionate transfer fees. Actually, if you look at football, it's always spending more in general than it has, isn't it? So I think maybe to clubs like Cheltenham, there is an important lesson to be learned from the way they're operating.
1: Yeah, we've, we've discussed it before, where you, you find that teams go up a level and all that really changes is the players' cars get nicer in the car park. Nothing else <laughs> changes. The players, the players' demands go up, the wages. Um, but I remember when Cheltenham went up under John Ward in 0506, they had a good a good core of players that stayed around. They are all contracted beyond that season. So they went into League One, kept all their sort of key men, including Grant McCann, who's just left, left uh, led Hull to promotion mm. back to the championship. Then the following summer, suddenly they were out of, a few were out of contract, contract. And because they're in League One, they're obviously asking for a little bit more. And that's when they lost a few and they had to rebuild again. So luckily, most of this squad that Cheltenham got are tied down. So they can't all start demanding more money. Some of them might have you know, some of them might have clauses in that offers them a little bit more if they go up or maybe a promotion bonus here and there. But I think most of them will stay around next season and have a really good go at it. I don't think there's going to be a huge overhaul. But the recruitment's been really good. And they they recruit to three five two. So there's no point in them signing a, a winger he can't defend because they're just not mm. going to get a game. And I think that's why Alex Adai struggled a little bit. I feel a bit sorry for him, but the formation just hasn't suited his game because he's raw pace and he's not yeah. a wing back and he's not really a centre forward either. But they they you know, they know how they're going to play. And they and they recruit players to re- so Luke Varney went, which was a big miss. But they've brought in Andy Williams, who's been a, equally as important an influence off the pitch as mm. Luke Varney was, and he's contributed with eight goals on it as well. So he's he's familiar um, with the area as well, isn't he? Which helps. And yeah, Williams Blair Blair, Blair, Blair Williams and Sercombe that came in the sort of experienced three that came in last summer. Blair Blair's a, a Midlander, so he's not yeah. far up the road, and he's played in the in the West Midlands. Williams was at Chapman as a young lad, and from been played in Hereford, and he's he, I think he lives very close. And then you have got um, Liam Circum, who's from uh, Exeter, but he has been living in Bristol, so it's not too far no. to travel up. So I think ge- geography played a big part in those three signing, and and also they've all been promoted from me Two before. So those three, particularly Circum and Blair, because Williams has been in and out of the team a bit recently, but he still contributed. They just they haven't really got many wrong in terms of permanent signings.
0: Yeah, and they haven't so so revolved recruit- around haven't one from afar. They haven't revolved around one player, have they? You mentioned maybe a little bit of reliance on Varney in the past, but it doesn't seem to be the case this season.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And the, the top scorer in the league has got eight, which is um, May and Williams. But mm. when Cheltenham went up last time, um, albeit by the so they didn't go up automatically. But when they went up last time, I think Ko Di was top scorer with 11. And again, it was shared around. It was a good all-round team effort. And you're right, there's not a there's not a one man they rely on. One man gets injured. Um, I mean, if Toza got injured, it would be a big miss. But they've, they've won both games they played without him in the last two seasons where Boyle played in that role. Uh, yeah. if if the likes of Hussey or Circum, which they both have been at times this season, or Boyle who's injured at the moment they've got players who can come in and, and do a job so that's been a massive part of it, they're not a one-man team, they're not relying on a 30-goal-a-season man, I'm sure they'd like a 30-goal-a-season man <laughs> but if if, if you've got a 30-goal-a-season man and that 30-goal-a-season man gets injured then you start to panic a bit, don't you? But there's no there's no sign of that at the moment they're so, so well-structured and so difficult to break down prop, um, prop, but proper they, team, yeah yeah, proper team. And uh, that's that really shone through on Saturday. They were just so disciplined. Second half against Stevenage last Tuesday. It was all Stevenage, but they just couldn't find a way through. And Josh Griffiths just kept 21 clean sheets, I think, in 43. And he's, he's done well, but he's not been particularly busy in a lot of those games. Mm. Can the league?
0: Do you think that keeper? Because he's, he's a young
1: guy. Yeah, so. definitely. Definitely. He turned 19 on the, in Chelms' first game. So he made his Chelmsham debut on his 19th birthday at Peterborough in the League Cup back in September last year and he's he's the only the only games he's missed is because of international duty. He's been consistent, he's improved, he's reacted well when he has made a couple of mistakes. The biggest test for him was the the time where the goalkeeper for Newport Tom King scored from a place. Yeah. yeah. That that could that could have ruined him. You know, that could that but he he next game straight back as if nothing had happened. And again it's that it's that character that he's got, as well as his six foot seven and his his long levers. He's got he's got the character I think to Definitely, of all the lone players that Cheltenham had over the years, and they've had a lot of good ones that have gone up to have good careers, including Mikhail Antonio and, and people like that, and Kemal Roof and Jack Butland, but I think Griffiths is definitely going to be in contention for Player of the Year awards, he's probably got Young Player of the
0: award, Year of the of in the bag anyway, and uh, yeah, he's been excellent. That's amazing. What do you you mentioned Harry Powell. What do you, what's your emotion because you're a, a journalist who covers the team and you would have interviewed him, no doubt. And you're obviously a fan as well in your, your personal life because I think I remember him playing my first game down at Wadden Road in this era was probably 2018, I think the, the spring of that, and he was still at the club, wasn't he, at that period? I think it was the El Glossico match that we went to. Yeah. my wife and I. He yeah. he was a uh, yeah. He seemed a bit of a character, a good towering midfield player. What do you, what do you feel when, you, when they come back? Is it good to see them doing well? Do you root for them? Yeah, he, he had three years at the club. The first of
1: those years, he was a massive part of the title win in the National League under Gary Johnson. That was a memorable season. And then he was probably the, one of the ones who actually did thrive back in League Two. Some of the players that had done well in the National League didn't get much of a chance or some of them did struggle a bit. But Pell definitely stepped up and he, he very nearly joined Blackpool uh, the summer before you would have seen him play. So summer of 2017, he was very close to joining Blackpool. He actually went up there for talks on the, on the opening day of the season, Champ at Morecambe, Pell was actually in Blackpool having talks over a contract. So he missed that game, but it fell through. He ended up having one more year at the club. So um, yeah, he left in the summer of 2018 to go to Colchester on a a decent three-year deal, which Mm. is obviously now coming towards an end. But I I always enjoy watching Pell play, but the the challenge that he put in on Sam Smith um, was reckless to say the least. And he is fiery, competitive. You know, he's the sort of player that if he's on your team, you love him. If he's playing against you, he loves to wind up the fans when the, when the place is full. You know, he, he sort of, he, he thrives on that. He, he can yeah. raise his game for the, the Derby games and for the, the clubs where he knows he's going to get a bit of stick. I, I can't help but like him. Like him. <laughs> but, um, you we want him want on your team? At the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you want him on your team. He's, he's, yeah, he's six foot five. He's quite good technically. He gets around the pitch. He, was, he, he did play well first half on Saturday, but you look at Cheltenham's field of Thomas who scored the winner. He's been excellent this season. Liam Serkham has been a great signing. And then one of the young lads on loan, um, Con- uh, I think he- Finn Azaz and Callum Wright have been sort of alternating almost in that attacking central midfield role, but they've both done well. Um, Callum from Leicester and Finn from West Brom. So the, the midfield at Cheltenham is strong. But Pell is very unusual that he's-, he's got such a good frame, but he's still quite technically good. Good all-rounder, gets- gets his foot- <laughs> puts his foot in possibly
0: a bit too much on Saturday. But yeah. I knew he'd be up for it and yeah, you think, he, he, he'll be sorry no to say you'd think you'd like you say physically it's quite unusual to be a midfield player like that you'd, you'd imagine him being a centre-half or maybe a target man striker in the, the old school sort of uh, version of it
1: yeah Gary Johnson did play him up front a little bit um when he when he was chasing a goal at Cheltenham but yeah he he, he can look back on his three years at Cheltenham with, with a lot of pride the way that he helped mm. Cheltenham go up and then stay up um he's from Essex so he's not too far away from Colchester but he's yeah he he might be on the move again this summer, you don't know. he's out of contract, and I'm sure there'll be clubs interested, but he might want to stay because it's quite close to his yeah. home in Essex he's from he's from near there so but yeah, it was good to see him back he he's uh He's a likable character um you, you would want him on your side in a battle yeah. uh, but he, he came up just about came up on the wrong side of it on Saturday, but he, I thought he did have a decent game in the first half. It was just marred a little by that one challenge that could have been really nasty, mm. thankfully, no, no injuries to Sam Smith.
0: Yeah, glad to hear that. And as you say, and what hard fought 1-0 win for Cheltenham on the cusp of promotion. You mentioned and you can understand why. There's two components to that. We've talked about the geography in the tactical aspect to, to signing players, because that's an insight Michael Duff has as a player and just the human side of, of life, particularly on the budget on, on the budgets and the salaries these guys are earning. If you can be relatively near your home base, it, it saves you a heck of a lot of money and stress in relocation. But you mentioned the length of the contract Harry Pell got to go back to Essex and why that may have been a, 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 a sort of a big carrot for him. And Duff, I spoke to Michael Duff at the start, and he talked about that, the length of contracts, how he wanted to get away from the one-year contract revolution every summer. And that is, it just makes sense, doesn't it? That as a human being, you don't want to have that uncertainty hanging over your head.
1: Yeah, I think three-year deals in League Two are quite rare now. But mm. um, I think there was there was too much of a turnover in the Gary Johnson Football League season. So he, he, he'd... he um, almost every transfer window he was bringing in five or six seven players to sort of rebuild the core of the team and it's you get to a stage where you realize that nobody's really been around more than about a season or even Mm. even half a season so even now I mean Will Boyle's been at the club since January 2017 by far the longest serving if you don't include George Lloyd he obviously came through the academy so I think having um, even more important next season when fans return having people that fans can recognise and, and form a bond with, like they will have with Will Boyle and some of these, and Ben Tozer and Connor Thomas that have been around for a couple of years. I think it's absolutely vital to have some sort of continuity. And then you, you know you've got the structure, and then you can tweak one or two each each window, maybe, or mm. each summer, you know, one or two, but not, you know, trying to re- rebuild a whole team every transfer window. I, don't, I just think it seems a bit haphazard.
0: Yeah. You mentioned- stuff. It's funny that you mentioned the fans, because I, I got this sort of um, thrust in to, to host a fans event down at the training ground in the summer of 2019, which kind of seems like yesterday in some senses, because it's been the pandemic pretty much uh, since midway through last season. So, but hopefully get down to the training ground there'll be a similar event maybe this, this summer. But the fans actually asked Michael Duff that. Someone said, you know, we want to identify with these players. We want to get names on shirts because that's significant, isn't it? It's very hard for them to form that bond if there's so much flux.
1: Yeah, I think it's crucial. It's crucial. Um, You look back over the years, Shelton have had um, Scott Brown, the goalkeeper, was at the club for 10 years um, and and was hugely popular and still gets a great reception when he comes back now. Steve Elliott, the big defender from Bristol Rovers came in. He had a good probably six seasons, I think, five or six seasons. And again, very popular. And then suddenly it seemed to be just turning over too quickly. And I know that's, you know, when when the results aren't how you'd like, you you do have to try and do something about it. But I think what Michael Duff has been really impressive. He's inherited a lot of the players that are now Key men that weren't particularly playing well or weren't even getting a game when he took over, and that includes um, Ben Tozer and more probably more than anyone, and also Connor Thomas. He had conversations with both of them when he first came in, saying that no, I don't I don't see you playing at the moment. Now toes is now automatic choice captain, been absolutely superb, probably my player of the year this season. He, you know, he's the team is almost built around him now. But when when Duff first came in, he was playing centre midfield and really struggling. Mm. So he's got more he's got more out of the players he inherited, and he's added quality as well that. And I think some of these lads are going to be around for a few years, hopefully. So when the fans come back, they can buy shirts with the names on and really buy into. Yeah, you you don't want um, a team with six or seven loanees changing every six months. That's not going to persuade people to want to come along and buy into it. I don't think
0: No. you need heroes that that are around for a while. Certainly do. You mentioned Ben Tozer. What a hero in that cup run that game against Manchester City with those those long throws. And it's just, that's the only footnote, isn't it? The caveat, I suppose, and it's a significant one for people who would listen to this who are Cheltenham Town fans, John, that it's it's just been a real sadness that this almost unprecedented season has, has been played out to empty stadiums, empty Wadden Road.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I, I consider myself hugely, hugely lucky, privileged, everything else, to, to have been able to go to any games this season. And mm-hmm. it, it is... It is tinge with sadness. The Man City game. I, I, I remember just sitting there and watching the game and thinking it's good, but it's good. and It's good. That's on the BBC that everyone, you know, there's millions watching at home, but it's just such a shame. You know, who knows that if the fans were there, mm. maybe they could have willed, willed Cheltenham over the line. But I think it's, it's hugely sad. But the one positive, I suppose, from a Cheltenham point of view is fans look like they're going to be coming back to a team that have gone up to League One. And that's going to, you know, people will be desperate for their football. They, they will be desperate to get back to Warden Road and to go back to where Cheltenham haven't been there since 2009 when they got relegated. That's quite an exciting prospect. It would be an exciting prospect, whichever division they're in after such mm. a long time without any football. But I think having those couple of games in December, so Cheltenham's first game back was a 5-3 win over Exeter. Incredible <laughs> game. And that, that, you know, not that anyone really needed any reminding, but that having just a, just a smattering of fans around the ground just just made such a difference. I, I was I, the, the, My lowest point of the season, was Stephen is at home on Boxing Day? <clears throat> well, I turned up. Um, tickets had been sold for that game um, after the couple of trial games, and then it was it was announced that we were locking down again, and nobody yeah. came come in. And I just remember watching that Boxing Day game, one all draw against Stephen, is just thinking, what, what's the point? You know, what is the point? You know, I'm I'm, I'm glad they I'm glad the season has been played, but yeah. it's it's it is it is nowhere near, yeah, nowhere it, near as good without that that fans. Known,
0: I suppose that's the question. We don't we don't know, do we? Retrospectively,
1: yeah, I mean it's a difficult one. I wouldn't want to be the person having to make those decisions, but I think, touch wood, it seems like most teams are are just about going to get through it. Mm. You know, we haven't seen any football league clubs actually go um, because of the pandemic as we stand. But Dover have obviously pulled out or stopped playing in the National League until next season. They're going to be penalised for that. But, you know, as long as the clubs are looked after um, properly, um, it's given people a lot more, you know, this lockdown and the, the one before has been a lot easier to stomach, I would imagine, than the one last year where there was nothing happening. There was no sport to watch. There was no football. I think it's such a big part of the country's just everything, isn't it? National identity and morale. But it's, that's been the positive. Being able to watch the games on streaming services and on TV, it's probably, you know, kept some people going, really.
0: Yeah, the iFollow service and has been a real kind of solace to a lot of Cheltenham Town fans. But I've got some messages saying that, there might be a little bit of a celebratory scene outside Wadden Road. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Because I suppose you can understand that the joyous outburst, but you, we don't want it to get too uh, too wild down that path, Cheltenham.
1: Yeah, I think you know you can you can go out for a walk. You can you can gather in groups of six. Uh, there's there's certain guidelines, aren't there? Obviously, we don't want anyone to break those, but it's a very difficult one. What my main hope really is that there's something properly organised when 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 they can do it, whether it's an outdoor event or a gathering in a marquee or something in a yeah, in a big park, big park in Cheltenham, just to get everyone together when when the restrictions can you know eased even further. I think that would be great to get everyone together again and properly celebrate it. There's not much
0: space in the parks in Cheltenham at the moment. From <laughs> I went out the other day, me and my wife, park <laughs> bench in the Imperial Gardens is absolutely packed. Great, actually, it was it was really nice. Police walking around and mounted mounted officers on horses, and everyone was patting the horses and stuff. It's there's a, a nice feel around the town at the moment. This will only add to it, won't it? I think when they get over that line.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I'm thinking potentially Pitbull Park or even bigger, the race course, they could do something mm. with so much space at the race course and the club have used it in the past for a bit of pre-season training. I think they've got a fairly good relationship with the race course. So something needs to be done to commemorate it, but not, of not jumping the gun and obviously not putting anyone at risk or yeah. or breaking any of the regulations. But I think they'll, they'll have some sort of get together as soon as they can. It's going to be a weird one. you know. It's, so Saturday didn't feel like the celebratory day because they, Still, still not mathematically certain. <laughs> get a point, get a point against Carlisle, and I think Michael Duff will say, "Yeah, but we we want to win the title, which he already has done." So mm. then they'll be trying to win the last two. So two out of the last three will secure the title. So Harrogate at home a week on Saturday could be the the title clincher if everything goes to plan. And then hopefully after that there'll be some sort of um, not not immediately after that, but hopefully sometime soon after that there can be some sort of safe gathering, social distance gathering where people yeah. just can
0: say well done because it has been you know it has been the club's best
1: football league season
0: in history well it's a phenomenal achievement um and Michael Duff will be aware of that but he'll be very level-headed won't he what what should the fans think because we're going to be or well, they're going to be overjoyed this summer aren't they and excited about league one football we hope we're nearly we're nearly there but do you think what, what should they rein in expectations what's your perception of the gulf between league one and league two at the moment
1: it's definitely a big step up. It's not, it's not a huge um, financial incentive to get into League One. You get a little bit more of the, the broadcast pie uh, coming in, but if you look back at Chel- Cheltenham, they've had four seasons in there. They, they got relegated in their first ever season in there, finished 21st, so they, they nearly stayed up. They went down on the last day after a 1-0 defeat in Knox County in 2003. Yeah. Then they got back for a three-season spell. They finished 17th under John Moore, which was the highest ever finish. Then they finished 18th under Keith Downing, which was a great 19th, sorry, which get a great achievement, staying up on the final day with a win over Doncaster and then the, the third season in there, um, which was the fourth season in total, they, they got relegated pretty badly under Martin Allen and it was done and dusted with a few games to go, really, so it's always been a, a battle, but they, they had the, the, the season they finished 17th was a, was a good effort, but they, they were battling relegation for much of the season, so Duff will know Duff played in that first ever season Cheltenham went up to League One, where they got yeah. relegated on the last day, he, he was still there, that was his penultimate season at the club, so he will know that they're going to be battling against people like Ipswich, possibly Sunderland if they don't go up, Portsmouth, Charlton Athletic, you know, there's some big clubs, but then again, there's some other clubs such as Accrington Stanley, Burton mm. Albion, Shrewsbury Town, you know, and Cheltenham have played yeah. a lot of those teams over the years in League Two, so that, that it can be done. Wickham, got, Wickham have had just had a year in the Championship, which was incredible, so... It's, it's going to be one of those, I just hope, I, my main hope really, and I know they won't do it, is they don't chase the dream and overspend. I don't, I can't see them doing that. As long as they're mm. sensible and just give it a go. If Cheltenham are battling relegation and they stay up, it would be an unbelievable achievement. But Duff will, you know, the next thing Duff will want to beat is uh, higher than 17th because obviously that would be the club's highest ever finish. If you can if you pull that off,
0: that would be another record that he's that he's broken. Yeah. His name in the history books, you say scoring the goal to get him into the football league and now that the managerial records is going to be uh, threaded throughout the club. Uh, Michael Duff, yeah. but what, what, how do you assess his situation? What do you think he'll be tempted this summer if offers come in? You get the sense from him that if he is to move, it has to be right. He's not going to just jump on paper because a, a club is higher up or or has more money to spend. He'll want to look at the structure of the club, won't he? And the the people behind it, which has been a hot topic in football, the ownership. Yeah, I think he he's ambitious. There's no doubt about that, and I think I just think he will go higher. I, in terms
1: of the timing, I think. He's tied down for another couple of years. He, he's starting to get linked with jobs now. Um, mm. He he might look he might look at it and think: Is my stock going to be higher at the top of League Two or struggling potentially in League One? I mean, obviously you want to go up and do well. But if Cheltenham are struggling in League One, will his will his stock go down a bit? I'm not sure. I think just getting Cheltenham up with the budget they have is enough mm. to put him on the map for a lot of clubs. So I think he will. I think Cheltenham will have a battle on their hands in terms of trying to keep him. And then it, when he does inevitably move on. Because um, I think he will move on to a bigger club rather than being sacked by Cheltenham. I think he, what he's done, this, what he's done this season. I don't think he's got anything to worry about with that for a long time. But I think he, obviously, the key then will be to try and continue the good work that he's done. Yeah. So, bring so the some, the, club, bring the, club similar,
0: the club will be. The club won't jump on him if it's a struggle at the start of league one. That's that's an important point, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I think Cheltenham could. And I, I, I just the way that he runs it, I just can't see Cheltenham um, sort of being. Cast aside, uh, you know, cast drift at the bottom or anything like that because they're so well organized. I think, I think they will put up a good fight in League One. But if they do struggle, he's 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 not under any huge pressure because Cheltenham have only been in that division four years before and they have always struggled. You know, got a realistic look at some of the budgets they're going to be up against Sheffield Wednesday next season, and it's you know it's incredible to be. They've they've had some good moments beating Leeds. I'm sure you've been told a few times about that one beating (laughs) Leeds, playing against um, Nottingham Forest, playing against Leicester Mm. when they're in League One. That that was great experience, but it's always going to be a mismatch because they're not a particularly big club in League Two, let alone League One. Mm-hmm. But they've just got to enjoy it. Um, the fourth, the 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 formation can go to a 5-4-1, and can be quite difficult to break down, as they showed against Man City. And I'm not saying they want to do that every game, but you know, I'm sure they'll yeah. go to some places and be di- be difficult. They'll go to some places and be really difficult to break down. So. With fans back as well, I think the home form will, will get back to because the away form's actually probably been more impressive than home form for a lot of this season. Mm. So I think it, it'll be, it'll just be fascinating. It'll just be, you know, to go to those types of grounds like Ipswich, um, Charlton. The Charlton have never played away at Charlton before. They've never, yeah. they've played away yeah. at Ipswich in non league football a long, long time ago. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be just a great experience. And no, it's almost like a, almost a free hit really. Although mm. Duff won't see it like that. He'll mm. want to, he'll want to achieve and, finish as high as they want, but the fans will be realistic and people won't be booing him out or trying to call him from sacked if they have a bad start because you know, six years ago Cheltenham were relegated from the Football League. Six years ago yesterday, Cheltenham were relegated from the Football League. Look where they are now. They're uh, mm. on the way up to the third tier. So it's been a brilliant turnaround and Gary Johnson played a big part in that as well, but I think Duff's yeah. just taken it, it on to another
0: level now. He certainly has. It's been really, really impressive to watch. Mention the injuries. How is Will Boyle?
1: Well, I asked Michael in the press conference uh, this morning, Monday morning, if he had any chance of of sneaking back for the last game or two, but he's he's definitely out for the season. So mm. it's just been great to see him. He's got, he's got a a big brace on his knee still, but he's he's been helping out. He's been sort of acting ball boy because the the um and the kit man James Murphy's had a knee injury, so he hasn't been able to do as much carrying stuff around. Hasn't been to the away game, so he's been on kit man GC for away games. On Saturday, he was wandering around. The pitch, putting the towels out for the bento's of throw-ins to dry the ball. You know, just lad. the sort the sort of guy that you want around that will that will not sit around being negative or moaning. Or he's just going to be such a positive influence. So he's, you know, just the fact that he's been going to the away games um, while he hasn't been able to play is just yeah. shows what he's all about. And he, he's you know he's attracting interest, I think a few of them will. But he's he's definitely attracting interest from bigger clubs. He is tied down um, for another year, which is good oh, for okay, Cheltenham. Good. If they're gonna yeah.
0: um,
1: so. He bought a yeah, place. Bought,
0: bought a house in Cheltenham or a flat in Cheltenham, hasn't he? As well, I know. I, sh- I saw him in the high yeah. street. I think. Yeah, <laughs> which is I think uh, has, yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty settled, I think. But you know,
1: he's, he's he'll be ambitious as well. And if he, if he with any player, if a, if a club, if a big club comes in at a high level and offers you a chance, then you know Cheltenham can't can't deny the players that chance and wish him well because he's been a great servant to the club since since joining in yeah January twenty seventeen. He played a big part in Cheltenham staying up that year, and he's mm. yeah he's been pretty much ever present ever
0: since. And Chris Hussey, I spoke to him earlier in the year. He's recovered from the injury. He's either kept him out of the City game.
1: Yeah, real blow for him to miss that game. But since then, he's, he's agreed a new contract, which is great. I think there's been a lot of contenders for player of the year this year and Hussey will be in there. Um, but I think, as I said earlier, I think has probably been my player of the year. But I think in terms of pure quality, I think Hussey and Circum are cut above. I think they're, they're, they won't struggle in League One. They're, mm. they're easily ready to go up. I think Toes has been hugely influential and been... Ever-present, every single game he started, long throw, organisation, captain. But in terms of pure technical ability and just a joy to watch, I think Hussey and Circum, yeah, they've been they've been sort of my two favourite yeah. players, I'd say. Even might, but funnily enough, I, I think Tozer deserved Player of the Year for the, the contribution he's made.
0: Yeah, no, it's well, it's good to have so many choices as well. And yeah, Chris Hussey has played at a high level as well. Lovely guy and, and really inspirational about mental health and stuff. When I heard it. I spoke to him I know you've done yeah. a piece with him so he's a great great person to be around that's really good that he's staying on for the, the tilt we think at League One John Palmer so what, meanwhile the University of Gloucestershire what's happening is it are students in person now they, with the testing is that possible normal lectures yeah we, we were very lucky being a practical course on sports
1: journalism we were able to get the students back in earlier than some of the more theoretical courses that have been continuing a bit more online so Back on campus for a few weeks now, for a few weeks before the Easter holidays, and then we've been back for two weeks now since the Easter holidays. So it's been great to see the students. We, we did see quite a lot of them in person before Christmas, but obviously immediately after the Christmas holidays, everything was locked down. Mm. So it was online for a few weeks, but we've been back in. Um, it's been great to see them back. They've, they've Again, always, as always, they've been handling it brilliantly, um, working hard, wanting to learn. Um, what, the main thing for us now is just trying to get them out to some sporting events as soon as possible, because obviously that's the key. But I think we've done a lot of good work off the pitch in a bit of commas so in the yeah. classroom getting them prepared and now obviously we want to um, get them out and about and put it into practice so I'm really looking forward to the easing of the measures so we can get them out to some games and some... they've done online press conferences but it'd be nice to get them to some physical ones but the, the Zoom ones have been pretty beneficial so this morning I was in the press conference with Michael and a couple of other media outlets and we had one of the final year students in there as well which is great so yeah
0: they've been nice. they're back, back in and final push now last few weeks before the summer holiday Good, 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 yeah, it's good. I mean, academically and professionally with a view of their career, it's been a difficult time, but I was thinking just socially and sort of life memories as well. A friend of mine and I had the same idea because we sort of came up with it and thought, Hang on a minute. These some of these kids who were freshers last year are pretty much on the cusp of their final year. If you remember how fun the summer of fresher year going into second year was at, at university, it's amazing what they've what they've had to be through, and everyone's had to go through difficult challenges. But I think I find myself very fortunate, John, to be 39 at this time. It's been a very different experience, than it would have been being 19 at, at, in this era.
1: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's been been difficult, hugely difficult. I, mean, I think the I think the younger you are, the more slowly time passes. So a mm. year. Um, for them in basically a year in almost entire lockdown would have seemed like an eternity. Whereas obviously, I think when you get a bit older, things speed up, don't they? And it's still difficult, <laughs> yeah. but I think you get, you get yourself into routine and
0: yeah. it flies by. I feel like I'm sliding down the mountain. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going away from me. I'm, <laughs> I'm staring down the barrel of 40 with uh, No, I'm going to, I'm to smile and, and embrace it, but it's, it's a very good point. I think that, and it's, uh, and we've also been able to work, which for you and I, and by virtue of sport continuing has been, I think a real boost and it's not been too abnormal in a strange way compared to a lot of people's lives, which have been turned upside down. The Zoom press conferences, they're here to stay, or are we going to get more human contact? What's your take on that? I think people have asked me the question. My sense is that the longer field stuff, which I've done with American boxers and fighters has been, I think a really good precedent with, with Zoom. And it's something you obviously wouldn't fly over for, but the sort of doing a press conference down the road on Zoom seems that hopefully that will have, I guess, gone by the wayside when, when everything returns. Yeah I think that the, the post match
1: stuff was done on Zoom for a while that's now ended so we can now do it 2 meters apart at the ground post match I think that's really important but in terms of the pre match stuff it's still fine at the moment but I I think there will I think there'll be a mixture I think it'll be a bit more in person but every now and then there might be a, a chance to do an in depth interview with the player if they're based you know, yeah. they're based a couple of hours away on a day off you want to do an interview with them. It's better I think Zoom is a lot better than doing it over the phone as well. So mm. I think they'll be still involved. And it's been good that everyone's had to not not good reasons why, but it's been quite useful for everyone to learn how to do that if needed. And I think yeah. um but I think pretty much when you get the media together, you actually get to look people in the eye, shake them by the hand hopefully you can start shaking hands again soon as well. And yeah. Yeah. I, think, yeah I think I think there are a lot of benefits to actually being there and having a chat and building a bit of rapport which is it's doable online, but I don't think it's quite the same. Mm,
0: especially if you do the, the beat reporting like like yourself. Quick thought on um Forest Green, difficult times for them. Do you think they'll be able to sneak through the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think they've made a positive change. I think Jimmy Ball's been mr mr positivity. I think he's got everyone together. They've had a win and two draws since he took over and they look well positioned for the playoffs. So mm. they've been they've been in the playoffs before and lost out to Tranmere. They could funnily enough, they could they could end up facing Tranmere again this year. And Tranmere with the team they beat in the National League playoff final as well in 2016-17. Uh, so that could be interesting. Bit of a That could be a bit of a grudge match between those two. But I think, you know, I think their automatic hopes are hanging by a thread. I think they could still sneak in, but I think it's very unlikely. So it's going to be the playoffs for them. Uh, I think they've done enough to stay in the top seven and then, you know, playoffs, who knows. But, you know, to have two Gloucester teams in League One would be interesting because you've got Bristol Rovers and Swindon coming down to League Two. Ooh. So it'll be Cheltenham are missing out on a couple of local games there next season. So I think Cheltenham will probably, as long as they get the job finished, I think yeah. they'll probably quite like Forest Green to come up so they can have that that local game with the fans back um, and a bit more of a West Country game. Obviously Newport are in the mix as well, not too far away. Yeah, they could they could be going up. But yeah, Plymouth are in there, which is not mm. a local game, but for them it's for Plymouth. It probably feels like a local game to play yes. Cheltenham.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's, yeah, it's easy, it's easy it's, drive, isn't
0: it? That's the thing. It's <laughs> you just get on one motorway yeah. and come up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But I was a bit disappointed about um, Bristol Rovers and Swin, they're both coming down, really, because I, I would quite like to play at least one, if not two of them mm-hmm. next season, but obviously they both had a struggle this season. But I think League 2, with those two in it and some other clubs that are
0: going to be in there, I think will be will be pretty competitive next season. Does that mean it gives you more of a Saturday night, is it, John, local, local game? You get back in time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I never I never mind the travelling um, because we, we always enjoy it and you know we're lucky to, to be able to go to the games, especially this season, but sometimes mm-hmm. you get back at to especially midweek away games mm-hmm. you know, League 2 lead to this season. It does seem to be a lot of long trips. Uh, Morecambe, Car- Carlisle, Harrogate's, but End away is another long one. But I've, yeah, I've never complained about that. I don't. I don't mind putting the miles in because it's all worth it. And uh, but yeah, it would be mm-hmm. nice to have more. You know, you always get bigger crowds. That you mm-hmm. always get bigger away followings if you have got the local derby games. And but Forest for Green have have um, been in the football league for a while now they've sort of established themselves in League 2 and if they don't do it this season with, with Dale Vince behind them you know I know I know that they'll be up there again next season they're not they're not going to um, they're not going to struggle with the you know the the way the club's set up whoever yeah. they appoint whether it's Jimmy, Jimmy Ball or they get somebody else in I think they'll be they'll be a force next season whether it's in League 2 or going up to League 1 it'd be interesting to see if they could kick on again if they did go up yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. I. Who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs? Good. Yeah. No. Walker have got the small, smallest budget in the division, and they're going to be in the playoffs probably. So,
0: it just tells you everything you need to about me too. Yeah, and it's interesting. Forest Green you say picked up momentum. It was sad in a way to see someone associated with the club for so long, and Mark Cooper leave. But it, it, it sometimes changes. It's good for all parties, and hopefully he'll come back into into a, have it have a good career as well, and Forest Green could be on the rise and. Maybe a Gloucestershire Super League on the rise. Who knows, uh, John? <laughs> Forget the European Super League. We'll throw one together. Um, but it's good to see um, both clubs doing well. And you'll be there. What you Tuesday night? Tuesday the twenty seventh of April. You'll be there for the game, the Carlisle match.
1: Yeah, I'll be there. Just hoping that they they can finish the job off. It'd be nice to have that P next to the name, wouldn't it? With a with a draw, yeah. a draw would make sure the P appears next to the name, and then and then they can go into the last two games. You know, just going for the title. And I asked a few questions this morning to both Andy Williams, who's gone up. Um, he went up by the playoffs with Northampton last season. He went up automatically with Doncaster in sixteen seventeen. He's never yep. won a title. Um, he's thirty four. He's never won a title. Duff, wow. you can just tell how desperate Duff is. Duff went up to the Premier League with Burnley as Championship champions, runners up, and through the playoffs. Yeah. And he said that winning the league, you know, winning the league is, is a very difficult thing to achieve. And he said, you know, the chances there don't just set off a second or third go on and win the league so two wins out of three he he won't let them they won't be sort of in party mode they'll be trying yeah. to get the job done and get get top spot and then go
0: go up to the next season in a really good confident mood and give it a good give it a good crack against some of the big boys yeah, absolutely. I think there's a real discord as well in the media and between we've seen it laid bare over the past week or so the the motivations and what matters to fans and owners has been laid bare is what's very different and what comes through from speaking to players and fans is not winning things, whatever it is, is emotionally significant and it makes an indelible mark in your your history, so it is significant and Tottenham Hotspur fans will know all about that after losing the League Cup final. We saw their despair of their players yesterday and I think there's been a sort of narrative that's that's, a, that's erroneous actually, that actually it's not about bank balances and, and things, but it is genuinely about just winning something and there's it's a difference between getting up but via the playoffs and actually winning the title, it, it means a lot to everyone involved. So hopefully, they will get over the line, John. And quickly before you pass, we've not passed away before you pass on, um, <laughs> <to> <laughs> move on, move on to your uh, your, your lecture because I know your time is pressing and I don't want to sort of uh, undermine your performance for your students. But you're uh, on Twitter, you? what's the reminder? of the um, the Twitter handle to follow yeah, you. To- yeah, my, my Twitter is at John Palmer Sport, which is J O N, no H. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't put
1: anything on there about myself. It's not, it's just basically a pure feed of Cheltenham Town news, uh, some other Gloucester football as well. Um, but it's yeah. If anyone's interested in Gloucester football and them, had a look at it. It's worth if yeah. you want to follow. Um, all welcome. So uh, yeah, it's been. I've been. I've really enjoyed. I think this season more than any other. I think social media for me, interacting with fans. who can't be at the games and, and keeping them updated. I know there's many ways you can stay up to date with games now. But I think it's. I've, I'm really grateful for anyone that reads any of my stuff wherever yeah. they read it. It's, uh, it's been, I feel like I've still got that connection with the Town fans even though I haven't been able to be at the games this season. So Twitter's been, yeah, Twitter's been a brilliant platform for me since I started using it. I think 2010 I started using mm. yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. It's how, yeah, it's, how, it's definitely how you use it. It's like human beings in general, you know, you can use things in, in a good or a bad way and I think for me as well, when I'm at work, it's nice to, to, to follow the games through you for, for Cheltenham, the updates and just get a sense of the match from from the Twitter feed, actually, while I'm doing other things and covering other sports. So yeah, it is a huge resource. And I think that's a big thing around social media generally. Not that I'd mind the odd uh, selfie from you, John, or uh, or, or, or workout r- routine video, but it's, it's nice to <laughs> keep it keep it just uh, informative about Cheltenham, informational. So that's, that's good. But um, thank you for your time, John. Really appreciate it. And we'll speak again soon, hopefully. Ed, great to to you. Have a good day. Enjoy the sun. Yeah, great to speak to John Palmer quietly. Very grateful he's not uh, doing too many selfies or too many uh, intense personal tweets, but he's uh, very much professional in terms of just documenting the history of uh, the clubs as they unfold locally, particularly as that beat reporter for Cheltenham Town. Longstanding reporter, covered the ups and downs of the club for a couple of decades and a fan before that as well. So, steeped in knowledge is uh, John Palmer and a lecturer at the university as well, helping lots of would-be journalists budding on the scene, which must have been challenging, as, as he says there, with the restrictions over the past year. And for them individually, mental health and things will be difficult, I'm sure, for students away from home, yet not able to uh, get out and socialise and mix. So tr- challenging times, but great that the is coming back online, great that their football hopefully is returning. We had fans at the League Cup final, maybe in the European Championships over the summer as well, and then League One potentially for Cheltenham Town next season. Good to get his thoughts. Follow John. Really, uh, if you're not at the game tomorrow night, or, or you won't be at the game tomorrow night, but if you're not across it, always uh, helpful on Twitter. John Palmer Sport there. So appreciate his time and his insight and uh, his depth of knowledge as a beat reporter, which is, for me, I've covered the, every sport going jack of all trades to a certain extent. So always appreciate that in-depth knowledge that you get and familiarity with with covering a team. And there's a romance around being a sports beat reporter. And it's relatively rare in this year, although I think the importance of local has perhaps heightened in the pandemic era. So if uh, you want to follow John, please do so. If you'd like to follow me, it's eddraper81 on Twitter. Not too much personal stuff either there with me. Tend to uh, keep a lot of stuff private, but um, yeah, maybe a little bit more varied than just sport on mine. Ed underscore draper81 on Instagram, which is a challenge because I'm not a big fan of taking pictures of myself. (laughs) I find it very surreal. Uh, from the way I was uh, I was brought up. But I'm on Instagram, post a few videos and different things on there, different pictures. Um, but also, if you could rate the podcast, if you like it on iTunes, fantastic. That would be very much appreciated. But other platforms you listen to, it's on Spotify. You may be listening there now or other platforms like Acast. Any support is very much appreciated or just mention it to a friend. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, housed in the courtyard in the beautiful spot of Montpellier in the heart of Cheltenham. And they are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. And siteaplan.co.uk, discount code is Draper10R. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now.